Welcome to Murderous Mermaids with Martinis, a podcast discussing all things horror. I'm Rebecca. And I'm Angie. And uh, spoiler alert. Most of the titles we'll be discussing are relatively well known, but just in case you haven't seen any of the films or television shows that we'll be discussing, we're going to make sure we put uh, the titles in all of our episodes so that you have been forewarned. You have been forewarned. In this week's episode, we'll be talking about the film from 2018, A Quiet Place. They'll hear you. Didn't you watch the film? Yes. Is it really happening? It could be happening. Okay, just in case, let's be really quiet. Well, we'll assume that our listeners are using earphones, so they can listen at full volume as talk about A Quiet Place and whether it's quiet or not. Sounds good. So you finally watched A Quiet Place. Yes, I did. I enjoyed it. I liked it. found it um, very suspenseful in some parts. Yes, I agree. Um, I saw this one in the theater, and I liked it. Um, I will say that this was a movie where it's called A Quiet Place, so there's a lot of quiet moments in it. I feel like it's a public service announcement to say that if you are going to watch a movie that requires like silence for the suspense, for the, the narrative to unfold, that it's a big faux pas to be having a conversation with the person you're there with about whether they want hot dogs or nachos and get up and down during the film multiple times and rattle very loud snack packaging. That was part of my quiet place experience. It wasn't a quiet place for It you. wasn't a quiet place. But... Even with that, I still really enjoyed the movie. Yeah, so um, one of the most suspenseful things to me in the whole film that I cringed and waited for was the nail incident. So you knew at some point someone was going to step on the nail. And uh, I was very much anticipating it. I don't like the word ligament. I don't like thinking about the fact that there's ligaments in my feet. <laughs> what, what is it about that word? It just like, it's, it sounds it, bad to you? It makes me cringe. It's just one of those things. But everybody has ligaments. Shh, don't say <laughs> it. <laughs> so I knew somebody was gonna step on it and it was gonna go right into their foot. And I was like cringing the whole time anticipating. That was the big suspense for me was when was it going to happen and how bad was it going to be? Yeah. Um, I saw when they, like, when, it, when they visually set that up that you know someone's going to step on that. It's going to hurt like hell and they're going to scream and attract the, the noise creatures that then kill people when there's noise around. Um, and in some ways, it's a notable departure of a similar visual device, which is in Home Alone, <laughs> when little boy Kevin like sets the nail up to like trap the the goofy criminals. Mm-hmm. But here it's like, oh, oh, it's just a nice family trying to survive. Yeah, so that that was cringeworthy for me. Um, other, I guess, moments or surprises that I was anticipating that 
didn't happen or didn't pay off. Um, so I really thought the, the birth of the baby would be the most climatic thing of the whole film. And I honestly didn't think that the baby was going to survive. So I was anticipating that being a huge buildup and then a huge emotional um, plot for the audience and the family. But the baby survives, which is amazing and unexpected. Yeah, um, I thought there was going to be more made of the, the birthing um, process as well. Um, and I wonder if part of that narrative choice or regardless if it was a choice or not, but the effect of it is it allows the, the, the daughter to um, have like the, the redeeming narrative arc of she feels responsible for the death of her younger brother at the beginning of the movie, but by the end of the movie, it's her involvement that has saved the newborn baby's existence, at least for the foreseeable future. Yeah, they live to die another day. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, it was interesting that she... Um, she doesn't know about sound. She's essentially deaf. I don't know if she has any ability to hear without using the amplifier. So telling her to be quiet is, she doesn't know how much noise she's making when she does things. So it- Oh, like with the day-to-day the -day routine of like when they're walking or gathering things, yeah. Yeah, so I think it would be very challenging to be quiet and not knowing what that meant or or how or if you were succeeding in being quiet yeah yeah you, you would never know so i think it this is exceptionally hard for her to live in this environment and that is probably part of the reason that she gives her brother the rocket ship that is his demise because even though her father had said oh it's too loud you can't have it too loud doesn't really exist to her mm -hmm. so it's a foreign concept in a way like she doesn't know or have the ability to comprehend what that might mean other than if you're too loud, it could mean you die. But the concept of too loud doesn't really exist for her. Well, I had kind of assumed that the reason the family had survived as long as they did was because they knew um, sign language because of the daughter. Mm -hmm. I think that's a fair point. So... In some ways, it's kind of heartbreaking to watch her feel so guilty for so much of the film um, over the, the incident with her giving the, the toy that has like a little noise buzzer on it to the, the younger uh, brother. Um, one thing I did want to know more about is I wish they had explained more of what, what are these creatures that are attracted to noise. Because um, we kind of get like, it's kind of like the like, the zombie apocalypse storyline of like, you we enter midstream, like this change has happened and we follow one family's journey to try to survive it. Mm -hmm. But we don't get a lot in the way of um, exposition, which I think is one of the strengths of the film. Yeah. I it saves them from having to explain or explain something that would seem absurd. Yeah. Um, so I think it was a good move on their part. And I liked the way that they 
explained what they explained. Like, I don't know if you noticed when they left the store in the beginning, there's like a National Enquirer or something yeah. outside that's blowing in the wind that says something about sound on it. Mm-hmm. So the way that they um, introduce the information is unique and interesting mm-hmm. to me. Yeah, I agree. The um, and also I think we get some information with uh, like some of the materials that are in the the family's home that they've created, uh, and the one of the things I liked like stylistically is how there would be like point of view shot is the wrong word for it because we we would be able to see the daughter. Uh, but we sometimes get to experience like what the the atmosphere sounds like for her, which I think made it a more suspenseful film in parts because we see her not be able to hear the things creeping up behind her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's a, a definite disadvantage um, in some ways, but her disadvantage ends up being the re- the thing that saves mm-hmm. everyone else. Um, even after after the loss of her brother that she feels is her fault, and then the loss of her father, which is, I don't want to say her fault, but because she turns off the thing that would have scared the amplifier that she mm-hmm. has on, um, because it's so painful for her when it's amplifying, she turns it off. There's a creature that, if she had left it on, would have been sent away, but because she turned it off because of her own pain it caused the creature to stay in yeah i thought that was a interesting move to make because i i thought it made the family's um development more plausible because i feel like a lot of times when you see films like this the speed with which people put the puzzle pieces together sometimes moves too quickly so i thought by having that moment where it causes her pain so she turns it off because she hasn't yet put together the fact that that's the thing that would deter the the creature from hurting the father was a more realistic way of thinking about how would how would you go about problem solving and figuring out because it's not like the the uh cochlear implant Mm -hmm. um was designed with the express purpose of like um curtailing the the whatever the do the creatures ever get a name the things that the noise no i don't think so um even on the writing on the whiteboard i think it just says creatures yeah yeah so yeah i don't know how to refer to them so i'll just use the word creature (laughs) um if there is some other term for them in the film i didn't pick up on it uh so i feel like that was a more maybe plausible way of showing how the family would figure out that there's this um, added bonus of the um, the implant basically malfunctioning. Mm-hmm. So, did you think the film was scary? Did you find fearful moments? I thought it was suspenseful, um, more so than a horror film. I, I know there, are, you know, there are creatures, but it didn't feel like a creature feature in the way. Like, something like the Wolfman is or Creature from the Black Lagoon because um, I felt like there weren't a lot of scenes of the creatures like lurking and lying in wait for them. The focus was almost always on the, the family 
And so as a result, it was more seeing like their anxiety of wondering when something's going to strike as opposed to like in other horror films where like you get to share some of the visual point of view with the attacker for lack of a better word. And because of that visual distinction for me, it felt less like a horror film. So just from a, one thing that crossed my mind as, a, as I was watching it logically, it was like, I think it said something like 472 days or whatever. Yeah. That seems like plenty of time to soundproof a room. How does one soundproof a room? Well, you know, they put the mattress over the yeah. top. And so I'm thinking if you just had mattresses on all of your walls all the way around, that would cut down on a lot of sound. Yes. So I felt like they had ample time to soundproof like a safe room, like just one specific room that was their safe room. So I found it interesting that that wasn't where any of their efforts were aimed. (laughs) No, and who came up with the elaborate system with the white and red lights? Like that, that took a lot of planning and effort. How did they get that up? Quietly. (laughs) Was it existing prior to the incident? (laughs) Maybe the lights were already set. Maybe it was a red light district at one time. We don't know. (laughs) (laughs) It did make me wonder, um, is this a storyline that could have worked just as well in a suburban or city setting? Yeah, well, I think that Interestingly, we we saw the witch where we had the family that are sent out and and live you know in the wilderness and this family is kind of in that same vein where they're separated from the rest of society, living out on their own. It just makes you think of them as um, more vulnerable, less likely to be found, less likely to get help, not having the networking mm-hmm. connections just keeps them more isolated. In a city setting or a suburban setting, if it's the apocalypse, which this appears to be some sort of, it would depend on how many people survived at any given point in time to whether the story would be yeah the same or different. Like, And can your neighbor stay quiet? <laughs> yeah, what if you have a really noisy neighbor like many people do? Yeah. <laughs> are, are you doomed because you have a noisy neighbor? Interesting questions. Yeah, I guess part of what A Quiet Place does then is like the family being maybe more remotely placed seems like a disadvantage, but it's not in this case. So I feel like it's it's trying to consciously like invert what we would think of as scary or frightening. Like I know in a, a, a different episode we talked about Gerald's game and how like that house is out in the quote-unquote middle of nowhere which is partly why the woman can't get away but here apparently like being far from everyone helps Mm -hmm. when they encounter the elderly man in the woods even though they're like asking him to please be quiet because of his own grief he can't and so puts them in danger so it seems like having other people around might be more dangerous and it really hones in on um relying on your family like your mother needs you here to help I need you to come with me so I can teach you how to survive it really um, 
shows a strong family dynamic in a lot of ways and the relationship and the way that they rely on one another so heavily in this type of situation. Yeah, which seems like isn't sustainable long term. <laughs> At some point you need to see some other human beings <laughs> for your own sanity, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And yeah, I mean, the earth cannot continue to populate if everyone dies out. So that you have this one family if... And he's tried, the dad has tried to call all of these global radio frequencies and mm-hmm. has found no one. So I guess we're to believe that virtually the entire globe has been afflicted with this apocalypse. Yes. But I guess uh, the world's not going to go out with a bang, <laughs> but a whimper. <laughs> a very quiet <laughs> whimper. <laughs> Before the sound creatures descend. It's very interesting, and it may, might be somewhat a commentary on, what's the right word, how loud and noisy society has become, where we don't have that quiet time anymore. might be some kind of commentary on that as well. I thought about that, but I also thought about how I know cities um, are commonly thought of as being noisy spaces, but the countryside isn't exactly like quiet either. There's woodland creature sounds, <laughs> crickets, things like that. Yes, um, coyotes, roosters. I tried to film in the country thinking it would be a quiet place to film. And it wasn't because there are roosters and they don't just crow at dawn. Really? Really. Is it like... It's random. Party animals? They do it like random parts at night? I feel like it was totally random. (laughs) Maybe it was just a spiteful rooster. Maybe you didn't like me being there filming. (laughs) But yes, to your point, it is not quiet in the country either. (laughs) Yeah. So I wonder if that's in some ways like a romanticized view of like, oh, ideal picturesque country life is how you survive. Didn't seem very ideal. No, it didn't. Very true. Um, yeah, I I feel like this was one that it was like the perfect length film too. It didn't go on too long because um, I I was worried that this was a film that if it went on too long, it could be difficult to stay invested given that the characters can't really talk at length to one another. Um, and you have a very limited cast of characters. Mm-hmm. I thought it was really well done. Um, very simplistic in some ways, um, but also very complex. And the creatures themselves were amazing looking. Like They did a really great job with them. Mm-hmm. So that was um, part of the visual that made it very exciting yeah and I I think um it worked that we didn't get a lot of screen time of seeing the creatures too so they had more impact when you did see them Mm -hmm. and you never really knew exactly what they were capable of or yeah or how they were harmed like you just they were um mysterious in a lot of ways yeah because they didn't fit um like sort of established archetypes for monsters or creatures from other films. Right. 
Yeah, the unique um, nature of the hearing, they really um, nailed it with that one, I think. Yeah. It was unique. So I think it's fair to say we would recommend this one. I liked it, except yeah. for the nail. The nail did make me cringe too, but I felt like it was effective since it made me cringe. It was effective. That was a very effective <laughs> scene. <laughs> if you ever want to scare Angie, just say ligament. Shh. <laughs> Thanks for listening and join us next week for another horror discussion. And another martini. Sounds good. <laughs>